Hi, listeners. This is Ashley Adams, professional poker player, author, and host of House of Cards. You can all, wherever you're listening to our show, we're now blanketing the United States. You can send in your questions or comments about the show to info at houseofcardsradio.com. And you can also get our tweets on Twitter at www.twitter.com slash HOC radio. Info at houseofcardsradio.com and www.twitter.com slash HOC Radio. Hey listeners, this is Dave from House of Cards, and we'd like to congratulate Beth Gaines from Los Angeles, California, as the winner of our Poker Stars Caribbean Adventure Giveaway. Beth has won, courtesy of Poker Stars and House of Cards, three nights at the Atlantis Resort and Casino in the Bahamas, $1,000 in cash, a $250 gift certificate for the spa at the Atlantis Resort, and free entry into both the ladies' event at the 2010 Poker Stars Caribbean Adventure and the Poker Stars Boot Camp being held at the Atlantis. Congratulations, Beth, from all of us at House of Cards. Poker players, listen up. Your right to play poker continues to come under attack. But with over 1 million members, the Poker Players Alliance is dedicated to protecting your right to play this great American pastime. Even if you've never played a hand of online poker, the Poker Players Alliance is fighting for you. No matter where you choose to play, the PPA is working hard to defend you, your rights, and the game of poker. The PPA is making great strides, but we still need your help. We have sent a clear message to lawmakers and others committed to prohibiting your right to play poker. We are organized and we vote. Add your voice to our cause and join the Poker Players Alliance today. Visit www.joinppa.org and become part of the fight to save poker. It only takes a few minutes to make a difference. The Poker Players Alliance, fighting to protect your freedom to play the game we love. You know what cheers me up? What? Rolled up aces over king. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. The House of Cards. Today, the game is different. With author and professional poker player Ashley Adams. Okay, you have some skill. Welcome, listeners. This is House of Cards. I'm Ashley Adams, and I want to tell you right now, I want you to put everything aside for the next hour because we have an amazing show a true double header we have two fantastic world series of poker guests first we have tiffany michelle who finished 17th last year 2008 winning three hundred thousand dollars she's also a model she's a tv actress she's a movie actress a singer songwriter and a great guest and we're following that with an interview of the 2006 main event winner of the World Series of Poker, Jamie Gold. So clear the decks and stay tuned. We'll be back after a commercial. Great moments in history. In 481 BC, the defeat of the Spartans at the Battle of Thermopylae. As long as Xerxes doesn't find the secret path to the hot gates, boy, is it, boy? Xerxes has found the secret door path to the hot gates. Ah, shit! In June 2008, House of Cards began podcasting. Go to HouseOfCardsRadio.com and click on the podcast button for all recent show downloads. Hey, you serious about poker? 
then winning 7-card stud by Ashley Adams is a must-have for stud players of all levels. In winning 7-card stud, the World Series of Poker Veteran takes you through a series of lessons and strategies designed to make you a better player in all phases of your game. The techniques of betting, what cards to play, how to read the other players, the art of bluffing, You'll learn to master them all. Winning 7-Card Stud by professional poker player Ashley Adams. Available at Amazon.com. You're listening to the House of Cards. I think we got a show. Oh, yeah, we got a show. We definitely got a show. Oh, yeah, there's a show. Hey, it's all about ratings, baby, and we got them. Welcome back, listeners. This is Ashley Adams. You're listening to House of Cards. And we are really fortunate right now to be joined by, I guess she's been described as poker's triple threat. She is an actress. She is a songwriter. And, of course, she is a very successful poker player. I'm here with Tiffany Michelle. Tiffany, are you there? I sure am. I've been called a lot worse, too, so I'll, I'll take that <laughs> intro. That sounds pretty good to me. <laughs> well, I think that's all complimentary. I mean, you um, you were an outstanding contest- contestant. Uh, you were an outstanding player, uh, reaching, I guess, 17th place in last year's main event. Is that right? That's correct. And you've had other poker success. Why don't you tell us, if you could, tell our listeners how it is that you got into the poker world in the first place? Uh, yeah, it was, it's it's kind of funny, you know. God knows my parents are sitting here wondering how the heck they have a daughter who is well known for playing poker. Um, not exactly every parent's child's career choice, especially when you're a young woman. But I fell into it through uh, Hollywood and acting. I was born and raised in the Los Angeles area, and so at an early age, I started doing theater and then did film and television. And then uh, I would get invited to play different Hollywood house games, kind of when Hollywood had the big boom of uh, getting into the game of poker. And I just sat at a house game, like a $1, $2 no-limit game with some different actors for a couple of years. And then that led me into doing some different hosting for, like, the World Series of Poker and um, some on-air hosting in 2006 I did for Bluff Radio on Sirius Satellite Radio. And then I became the hostess for Poker News, and so I kind of kind of jumped back and forth between the acting and the poker and then kind of combining the both and uh, played for been playing for about the last four to five years and uh, doing well at it. I, you know, some people wait tables in between acting jobs, and I found pretty quickly that I could uh, sit down at a poker table and get my alternate source of income. Well, that's terrific. And uh, let me ask you a question. You may not even be able to answer it, but do you consider yourself an actress who plays poker very well or a professional poker player who also acts? Yeah, I, I think I've always said that I'm an actress who plays poker. I mean, obviously now with, you know, the main event, uh, my, my my showing this past year and signing an endorsement deal with Ultimate Bet and playing for them, I mean, my at the moment, currently, my primary income is coming from poker, um, and I've actually been making a living at poker for the last about three years. So I kind of I, I kind of have the best of both worlds. I get to jump in between both, but I, I think primarily I've always said that I'm an actress who plays poker. I mean, in the long run, I love poker, and I always imagine that I'll be playing, I'll be in it, um, but acting, first and foremost, has always been what I I've had a love and a passion for. Right. Well, I'm curious to know, I mean, a lot of people look at your career and they think, wow, I, maybe I could make it as a professional poker player, too. If, if Tiffany Michelle did, maybe I could, too. Who 
and what contributed to your success? It isn't like you just found out, oh, my God, I'm a top-level player, is it? Did you have any studying that you did? Did you have any mentors? Did you have any books or magazines that you read that helped you? You know, that's the nice thing about poker is it is something that's available to anybody. You know, you look at the NBA, and there's a certain level and standard that you have to be this good a basketball player, not just anybody who's born with those kinds of genes and talent to be able to play on that level. And so that is the nice thing about the world of poker is that anybody potentially who has the money could sit down and be playing on that level. Of course, not everybody is going to be, you know, doing great. Not everybody is going to be able to be a Phil Hamius. But um, I think it was a combination of a few things. I found out early on that I had a really good natural instinct and knack for the game. I had a good sense of aggression. I had a good sense of timing. Um, I could very easily pick up on people and the signals they give off and weakness. And I had a very game mind. Um, I was very competitive throughout my entire life, so I think a combination of all those things instinctually gave me a good knack for the game. Um, But then I would definitely say over the couple years that I did hosting, where I was interviewing any and every poker player known to man, um, that definitely helped. You know, having those conversations time and time again and hearing about the bad beats and hearing about, you know, anyone from Daniel Negreanu to Doyle Brunson's strategy and um, the things they did wrong, the things they did right, definitely were influential. To this day, I've actually never read a poker book. Um, (laughs) Wow. I was fortunate enough to, after the World Series, um, by association, by being involved with Ultimate Bet, to be able to sit down and start doing lessons with Annie, which really helped strip down some of my game um, to a fundamental level and then, you know, allowing me to then add all the things I was doing right, but to kind of get down to the ABCs and the fundamentals of the game. So I think it's a combination of things. I, I... early on found out that I had a really good instinct and knack for the game, but then through all my years by association of being involved with poker and having access to all these very talented players, and then just by trial and error, sitting down and playing, you know, for a couple of years and finding out what I could get away with and whatnot, um, I think it was just a whole um, avalanche of things that, uh, that worked well for me. So you, if I can sum this up for our listeners, many of whom... I think would love to emulate what you did. Of course, they're not going to be able to, most of them. But first of all, you have natural talent um, that you learned that you had after seeing that you could read players and uh, pick up on what they were doing. Second, you were in the poker world as a host of a lot of these events, so you picked things up kind of by osmosis without specifically trying to study, but you were surrounded by lots of smart, articulate poker people who told you things. But then third... You mentioned having a mentor of sorts in Annie Duke and that she really helped pare down the best of the things that you did and helped you jettison the worst of the things that you did. That makes it almost sound a little too easy. Is it really easy for you or have you had to work at it at all? Um, You know, I think anybody and everybody is game. They're constantly working on. And that's kind of a nice thing when you're in poker and you have friends in poker. You just sit there, you know, you play a hand, and then you can sit down afterwards and talk about it with somebody and say, okay, well, how would you have done it? You know, there's, um, it's really nice having a lot of friends who play because you just get so many different views. Um, I, uh, yeah, I don't, it's, I guess it's easy and it's not at the same time. I mean, like I said, the nice thing is anybody can sit down and play. Um, Anybody who has a buy-in can sit down and try it out. Um, of course, you know, we all see that there is that luck factor involved that, you know, Joe Schmo, who's never played a day in his life, could sit down and do fairly well in one tournament. But I think ultimately, you know, most professional poker players want to have a consistent record. So 
just because, you know, you come in one day and win a tournament, well, does that mean now that you're going to sit down the rest of the year and have consistent results? And so that's what I kind of work on now is every time I sit down, I'm growing, I'm learning, I'm trying new things. Um, and ultimately, I feel like I'm always just reeling myself in. I think a lot of my game is about getting rid of all the bad habits because it's, it's gambling on some level. So you want to get in there with, you know, your – you're jack seven suited and see if it's going to hit and make a crazy play. And so I feel like a lot of it for me now with my game is reeling it in and being disciplined and playing the way that I know I should play and having the consistent results. So I think that's the difference between somebody that just sits down and gets lucky one time. Well, now, can you figure out the formula to time and time again be consistent? We right. know you're not going to get there every single time, but are you going to get there off more often than not? I understand what you mean. Uh, do you still play for fun, as it were? I mean, now that it's become a source of income and something that you take seriously and that you have to think about when you go and you want relatively consistent events and you're not just playing, Jack seven suited just to see if you might magically hit and then really take somebody down. Is it still really fun or has it become more of a job? Yes and no. I mean, that's a good question. Honestly, I have since, you know, the main event and since, since starting to play more professionally, I really haven't gone back and sat down and played for fun because when you do it for a job, you, you want the time off. So now it's like, oh, gosh, I don't want to have to sit down at another table. Let me do something else. <laughs> You know, I haven't gone back to that cash game that I used to play years ago. Unfortunately, I'd love to see those guys. But it's hard to to want to sit down and do that. I, I do love, love, love tournaments. Anytime I get the chance to play a tournament, I get so excited ahead of time. I'm so excited to play. I'm so excited to sit down. And so I still do love that. But recreationally, you know, unless, you know, I'm with a bunch of friends in the casino and we all, you know, commandeer tables to play some one, two, no limit, I rarely sit down. And especially now that I'm playing online with Ultimate Bet, I play there several hours, several days a week. Um, if I get the chance to do something else, it's probably not to play poker. Um, so, yes, I, I do have the love, but at the same time, I don't love it recreationally and as a hobby like I used to at one point in my life. I see. Well, that's very telling and very interesting, Tiffany. Let me ask you this. I'm wondering how your poker play may have informed or changed your acting. And, and here's what I'm getting at. Before you were really exposed to and engaged in the poker world, I imagine that if you were called upon to play as a lead a poker player you would have played it one way but now that you've been inside the industry and really sat and learned how to be a tournament player and a poker player learned how much there is you may play it very differently how has being a pro affected your acting um that's you have great questions by the way you asked me some really insightful things that i have to sit there and actually think about it's not just like the rote answer that I'm give. <laughs> well good um, that's my job well, good job, you. Um, yeah, I I think the one thing the thing about acting, and it's hard now actually to watch poker films and watch actors in poker films because I don't have that specific knowledge. I sit there and I'm like, oh my god, what are they doing? That's so unrealistic. That's so over the top. You know, it's hard when that's your industry to sit and watch a film about what you do. Right. Um, I think with any acting and actor, it really then comes down to. Um, you know, we we say this all the time, but make it not look like you're acting. And so the kind of the way that you go about that is um, finding a way to be real in the situation of what you're doing. But I find a lot of the actors that I respect and whose roles I think are amazing, they somehow find a way to be subtle. And they find really small little things that are just so everyday and so believable that you forget that they're acting and it's just like watching a real person. And so that's kind of what I think I've learned um, between poker and between acting is that 
if I were to now go and play a poker player, it'd be so many subtle things. I wouldn't be sitting there being like, I'm all in and shoving all my chips forward, kind of like you see and you feel like that's, you know, what poker players are about. Yes. There's so many other small, subtle things that poker players do, um, and that's what I feel like you have to bring anytime you're playing any kind of role, is it's the small things, it's the, the really humane things, it's the very subtle things. And um, on the other side, I feel like that's what helps me be a good poker player is because as an actor, you're kind of trained to tune into those things and find those different little characterizations. And so I feel like I'm more observant of the small things poker players do at a table, whether it be, you know, watching their hands, watching how they make a bet, watching their feet, watching their eyes. Um, I, I tune in a lot more to the subtle things that the poker player does because that also gives off a lot of information when you're at the table. Huh. Well, that's very interesting. Can you um, mention a couple of the things that if you were playing a poker player, the standard actor or actress might not know enough to portray, but that you would, if you could be as specific as possible for listeners, what are a couple or three of the things that you as a, an experienced poker player know that you would want to put into your character if you had one in a poker movie? Um. Well, if you're specifically talking about, you know, poker player at the table, you know, I'm, I'm, it's hard to kind of make it broad, like if what would a poker player do if they're walking down the street. But, for example, if you're at a table, one of the very subtle things is that gives me so much information with the poker player is how they breathe. Um, I mean, you see all the... Uh, yes, yes, yes. Oh, that's really good. Talk about that. Um, it's not exactly something that I could necessarily recreate, but, you know, you can see, like, the person's veins of their throat and their pulse, like, you know, beating. You yes. see... Um, a lot of players start breathing really heavily, like when they have a big hand. Oftentimes, too, it's when they're bluffing, so that's obviously tricky to try to figure out which hand to put them on there. Um, so breathing is definitely one thing that I'll just see somebody who was totally calm one minute, and then the next minute it looks like they're about to have a heart attack. You can see their heart pounding in their chest, um, rising and collapsing underneath their shirt. So um, I guess the breathing thing would be one thing. Um, what other little things? Um, there's definitely, I think, a, le- a level of confidence and cockiness and ego that a lot of poker players have. Yes, very good. Um, the that's table. true. I mean, of course, you have the you know the guy that's really quiet and humble, but for the most part, I think it draws you know a lot of testosterone. It's an aggressive game, um, and so I find that a lot of poker players, you know, you have kind of the loud mouth and the guy that talks a lot of game, and uh, we call him you know the table captain, the table. So that would be an element. Um, of that, you know, ego and aggression and confidence at the same time. Every, I think every poker player at the table thinks they're the best poker player at the table, which is necessary because you have to have that confidence in order to do well. That's right. Um, that's good. Things. No, that's good. Yeah. I think that that's very good. I don't want to tax this too much, but while you're in the uh, thought process of being an actress, I want to just at least quickly touch on something else that's been an interest of mine. You're in Hollywood a lot. You have lots of connections in the film industry i see that you actually write songs and the like have you ever thought about writing a screenplay or even just a television series episode about a poker player i haven't thought about it um you know there's a ton of people that have tried to attack that topic and it it tends to be kind of iffy you know i've heard about a lot of different pilots and a lot of tv shows and a lot of concepts that have been put out there in regards to poker None of them have really flown. I'm not exactly sure why. I don't think somebody has come across the perfect um, 
chemistry and the perfect script for something like that. And even though poker is really big right now, at the same time, it's still a niche. You know, like NASCAR is a very big thing, but NASCAR is a very big thing within its fan base. It's not going to necessarily appeal to every single mom and pop and son and daughter across the globe. And obviously the other thing, too, being that poker you can only play for the most part when you're 21, you cut out a huge demographic. That's true. Um, the, you know, the kids and the younger people that can't obtain that. They can't go out and do the thing they're watching on TV. So I've heard about a lot of projects. Um, it's nothing that I've necessarily, you know, sat down and felt felt the need to go out and pursue. However, um, right now we are in talks to possibly have a <laughs> poker reality show. Oh, um, that's about- something I've thought of for a long time. That makes perfect sense. Tell me what the uh, what the possibility is. Um, right now, the discussion would would potentially be me and my two best girlfriends, Lacey Jones and Maria Ho, um, and just essentially about, you know, the three of us. We have a very fascinating lifestyle. Obviously, you know, we're all in our 20s. We're in a very male-dominated field. It's a very interesting career choice. Um, we're young. We're attractive women. Um, we're going head-to-head with the guys. At the same time, we're making tons and tons of money all on our own accord. You know, a lot of the reality shows you see usually – you know, girl, the girls next door have their sugar daddy or the real housewives of New York have this very, you know, upper right. class lifestyle. But we're all young, making a lot of money on our on our own um, hard work. And uh, we get to travel all over. We have a very kind of rock style like lifestyle. And it's just it's, it's pretty fascinating. You know, a lot of people don't look at me and think that I would be somebody playing poker. And so it's just a very interesting world. And so that's the discussion right now. You know, there's a lot of poker reality shows that have kind of been pitched out there. Um, but I think once you mix the poker with the fact that we're, you know, three young, um, attractive girls, it's just a really odd combination, but a really fascinating lifestyle. I agree. I think it would be a hit, but what the heck do I know? I'm here doing a radio show on poker, so I don't know what uh, the Hollywood moguls would invest in, but I, I would certainly be interested in watching that. We have two or three minutes left. I want to ask you some poker questions before we're done. Are you playing in the 2009 World Series? I will be playing. I'm so excited. You know, there's a lot of pressure coming in this year after taking 17th last year. And actually, it's the first year that I'll get to be playing a lot of the events. I'm probably playing about 13 of the No Limit events uh, in addition to the main event, which I actually already won my seat for. So um, I'm very excited. I've only, in the last three years, played, besides the main event, maybe two or three events total over the last three years of the World Series because I've usually been working on the hosting side. So I'm excited this year. I get to come out and just 100% focus on playing. Now, when you go out to Las Vegas, do you rent a house out there or do you commute for the events from L.A.? How do you how do you do it? It's it, We call it the World Series of Poker Summer Camp because it's quite a grueling long amount of time. Yes. Um, so I will be renting a house out there. That's what I do every year. Uh, Maria Ho, who's one of my, my best girlfriends, who was the last woman standing in 07, um, will be uh, staying out there with me. And you have to, you know, it's it's. It's so exhausting. You play so many events. You know, it's very mentally and physically grueling um, that you really do need to have. I, I can't. I can't imagine how some people stay in hotels. I have to. At the end of the day, after a long day of cards, I need to go home, have a nice place to rest and recoup, so that I'm fresh for the next day. Because it is a you know very mental game, and it's very exhausting. So, I agree. Um, I agree. A lot of our listeners go out for the World Series, and I always recommend that they not stay at a casino hotel. That if they're going to stay in a room for a week or two weeks, they stay in a suite. You can get them very inexpensive expensively in Las Vegas, or they rent a house. Some of them do rent houses, and I think that uh, you need something like that. One last question for you in the last minute that we have, Tiffany, and you've been a wonderful guest. I, this, these 20 minutes have gone by very quickly. How do you prepare, if you do prepare, 
for the World Series, both physically and mentally, and also, of course, as far as your game. What, if anything, do you do to get ready to actually play in this grueling um, multi-week event or series of events? I I don't personally do a ton. Um, I've been playing a little bit more. Um, you know, working on my game, I actually just recently at the Cal State Poker Championships at Commerce, a series, a series of tournaments they have, I yes. just took 30 seconds out of 1,800 players. Um, and so I, I'm just playing. You know, I, it, it's kind of like riding a bike where you can just hop back on and play. I mean, there's some kind of things that, you know, you forget about and have to remind yourself. So pretty much I'm just I'm playing as much. I'm playing, but at the same time I'm not getting too wet down on playing because I want to save some of the – um, I, I want to save some of the play for the World Series. I don't want to be too burnt out on poker to where I come into the World Series and I'm like, oh, God, I don't want to play any more poker. I you want to come in fresh. I want anticipation okay. and enjoyment. So you, um, you are resting in a way. You're not burning out your poker chops before the main event. Right. Okay. Right. And like, I feel like, you know, having a house, having a nice place, um, kind of relaxing. I feel like it's in between. It's not a huge thing that you can do to prepare because all you can do is come in and play your best game. I think in between, though, you can make sure that you're being healthy and that you're getting rest and that you're exercising, doing all those things that are going to make you um, at the top of your game when you then have to sit down and play. Well, that's terrific. Before we go, I want you to give our listeners your clothing line website and uh, any other websites that they can. We'll put them on our site, houseofcardsradio.com, so that people can link up and see some of what you produce. Perfect. Well, all you need to know, I'm I'm a one-stop shop girl. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, what is it? Um, two F's, two L's, TiffanyMichelle.com, and you will find everything you possibly need to know. It has links to my Facebook page and my Twitter page, and so you can you can find and socialize with me on all those fun pages. Um, you can also find, um, I'm coming out with a clothing line at the World Series, and so you can find out all about that and get the links and pictures and where to buy that stuff. Um, you can read blogs, you can watch videos, you could spend the rest of your life in Tiffany Michelle land at Tiffany Michelle. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure after listening to you, many more people will be interested in going to Tiffany Michelle Land. You're a charming guest, very interesting, and I think you help people with an understanding of what it means to actually be a professional poker player. So thank you very much, Tiffany Michelle, and uh, we look forward to having you back when you win the main event of the World Series of Poker. You've got it. That's a deal. Take care. And listeners, uh, stay tuned. We'll be back with Jamie Gold. Poker players, listen up. Your right to play poker continues to come under attack. But with over 1 million members, the Poker Players Alliance is dedicated to protecting your right to play this great American pastime. Even if you've never played a hand of online poker, the Poker Players Alliance is fighting for you. No matter where you choose to play, the PPA is working hard to defend you, your rights, and the game of poker. The PPA is making great strides. But we still need your help. We have sent a clear message to lawmakers and others committed to prohibiting your right to play poker. We are organized and we vote. Add your voice to our cause and join the Poker Players Alliance today. Visit www.joinppa.org and become part of the fight to save poker. It only takes a few minutes to make a difference. The Poker Players Alliance, fighting to protect your freedom to play the game we love. It's a fact. Stupid people have stupid children. 
If you're stupid, please don't have sex. If you insist on having sex, then please have sex with animals. Preferably animals smarter than you are. That way, if by some biological fluke you and the animal actually have offspring, odds are the offspring will be less stupid than you are. One more thing. Don't assume the animal is protected. If the animal has a condom, or if female, some sort of interuterine device, insists they wear it, please help stamp out this mindless mindlessness. Keep your stupidity to yourself. This message brought to you by the Council of Concerned Citizens who are smarter than you are. Hi, listeners. This is Ashley Adams, professional poker player, author, and host of House of Cards. You can all, wherever you're listening to our show, we're now blanketing the United States. You can send in your questions or comments about the show to info at houseofcardsradio.com. And you can also get our tweets on Twitter at www.twitter.com slash hocradio. Info at houseofcardsradio.com and www.twitter.com slash HOC Radio. Great Moments in History. In July 1937, Amelia Earhart was informed by her navigator Fred Noonan that they were off course over the Pacific Ocean. You're wrong. You just sit here telling me that I'm not intended to. Can I hold the f? No. no. Can I hold the f? No. no. That is so not cool. In June 2008, House of Cards began podcasting. Go to HouseOfCardsRadio.com. Click on the podcast button for all recent show downloads. You're listening to the House of Cards. The way I see it, poker's like some kind of cosmic metaphor. It's like even though the cards fall in a random order that you can't possibly predict, you can still beat them. Welcome back, listeners. This is Ashley Adams and House of Cards. We are amazingly fortunate to get one of the true giants of the poker world to join us on the phone right now. I'm here with Jamie Gold, the winner of the main event of the 2006 World Series of Poker. Jamie, are you there? Hello. Hey, great to have you here. Uh, Why don't you catch our listeners up? on what's happened with you as a poker player since 2006, what you've been doing, and also things not necessarily directly related to poker, like charitable causes you've been involved with. Bring us up to speed. Wow. Uh, <laughs> well, if you want to skip Let's over see. some of the less important stuff, that's fine. No, no, no. But uh, All right, so since 2006, uh, I spent the last six months of my dad's life with him, which was... You know, something that uh, I'm, I'm really happy that I could do. As horrible as it was what he was going through, it was pretty amazing that we could actually spend that time together. Not everybody can do that. Most people have a 9-to-5 job. Um, so that was fortunate. Um, unfortunately, my mom, after taking care of him for six and a half years with this debilitating disease, developed a tumor in her throat. And so um, that was not so much fun Um as I usually do have with my mom. So the year after I won was uh, was somewhat of a tough year. I was also, you know, being sued for something that was kind of uh, ridiculous for someone who I was trying to give half my money to decided to sue me anyway because of a tax issue, and that, that became a very odd thing. <laughs> so um, after we settled that exactly how it should have been settled in the first place without a lawsuit, um, right. it was a very interesting year. Um, in 2007 and 2008, I dedicated my life to 
charitable causes and um, had participated in or hosted or emceed, uh, I think now somewhere around 60 events. Um, wow. I'm having an absolute blast and traveling the world and, you know, really enjoying my time giving back because for whatever reason, people seem to still, you know, care about uh, the guy who won the 2006 World Series of Poker. And, you know, I didn't know how long that was going to last. It could have been 15 minutes. It could be 15 years. We just don't know. But people still seem to have to get a thrill out of poker and the people who win the big one. And so for whatever, you know, I'm worth, um, I'm glad that I can give back and give my time and that it actually means something when I show up to a charity event. And so they keep inviting me to all of these things. And some of them I host and some of them I MC and we help them raise a lot of money and I donate a lot of money and I feel like, you know, my life is, is really worthwhile and that I'm really helping as many people as I possibly can. And so that's really what I did up until, um, you know, this year, 2009. In 2009, um, oh, and I had also, we also tried to get a, a couple of TV shows off the ground, which were not as successful as we wanted them to be. And so, you know, it happens. And so we, uh, we're regrouping and creating new content. And one of them actually has a lot to do with poker, which is cool. And so I'm hoping to, uh, be a lot more involved in that. Um, but, uh, in 2009, I created a foundation so that all of the charities that I actually believe in, because there are some that I had worked for that you could just tell the money wasn't going to the right place and that the administrative fees were so overwhelming that people were kind of working for a charity but not really helping anybody. Yes, yes, I know about um, that. You know, that happens a lot. And so I've written a few articles about it in Bluff, and I hope that people have seen those and that, you know, you really need to know where your money's going. And so I've dedicated myself now to a small group of charities, but through a foundation so that I can run events, have the money go through the foundation, have it be an open book. I don't mind. I want people to see where exactly where your money is going. And so... I have some great people working with me, and I feel really good about our future um, with my foundation. And um, I have actually people working in Europe uh, as well as over here. Um, and so 2009 looks like it's going to be really productive in that way and giving back. And um, I've also started playing in a few more tournaments. I just got back from the Irish Open. Um, How'd you do? I came in sixth in a very, you know, small, like, uh, secondary tournament that they were having, and that kind of paid for the trip. So my mom says, hey, you, that's, a, that's a big success. So I guess, I guess it was a successful <laughs> trip in that sense, financially. But um, it wasn't about that. It was really I was trying to, you know, uh, trace my roots a little bit. My natural father, um, both his grandparents were born in Ireland, so uh, it was important to me and someday to get back there. And so this was my first time there. And um, I took my best friend with me who travels with me a lot. And we've been best friends for, you know, almost 30 years. And so that's, uh, that's always a great time when I can bring him. And I have a yeah, couple of so. questions for you about sure. winning the World Series. I know you had a successful career. You were an agent or you were in the... In the movie business, I was. Well, I was an agent for a few years, and then I became a manager, which is somewhat similar. It's representing artists. I, I was representing actors, writers, directors, the people that people would recognize. Or uh, James Gandolfini, who I represented for years and years. Uh, Felicity Huffman, Kristen Davis, Lucy Liu, Jimmy Fallon, Donnie Wahlberg. Um, I represented a director named Darren Aronofsky that some people know from. Uh, his first little movie was called Pie in Black and White. Right. Oh, I know that movie. Did, uh, uh, the Fountain. Um, he just did The Wrestler. 
Oh, right. Well, let me um, ask you, are, do you still represent these people, or is that no, career no, now all history? No, I got out of the business, uh, I should say not out of the business, I got out of the representation business about, oh God, five to seven years ago. Um, right when I started playing poker, pretty much, um, is when I stopped representing. I didn't feel like I could do both. I see. And I was, you know, I had done everything I could do as far as representing artists. I did it for 15 years, um, and I was getting burned out, and that's when I started playing poker. Um, oh, well, and- I, had a, I had a big misunderstanding, Jamie. I was under, and I'm glad that you're straightening this out. Maybe everybody but me knows this already. I thought that you were a full-time manager or agent and were playing in the World Series as an amateur and just happened to win the biggest prize there is and that you then, you know... Well, st- no, 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 you're not that far off. I, 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 was, I was a full-time manager and agent up until, I don't know exactly what year it was, but maybe... 2004, 2005, somewhere around there. I see. And then I teamed up with these guys and created a company called Buzz Nation. And we started producing television. And at the time, you know, people laugh about it. It's kind of a goofy concept, but it was actually, we were hired by a corporation to do a show called The Hottest Mom in America. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh-huh. And, you know, you can laugh about it, but, you know, it's, it, it, was, it, it was commerce. We weren't doing it because we thought we were going to win an Emmy. We did it because we were hired to do a job sure. for a company, and they wanted us to produce this show. And I thought we did a pretty good job, but... Um, for some reason or another, we just didn't get, didn't get on the air. And so, you know, unfortunately in the TV business, it took American Idol eight years to actually get on the air. And you just have to keep pushing. And right. we're at, we still actually believe that this show will make it at some point. Um, we don't think it's any goofier than half the stuff you see on television. <laughs> That's for sure. Uh, and we think it's worthwhile. And, you know, it's, it's, it is what it is. I mean, it was, of course, we had advertisers that were geared towards moms. And, you know, one of our advertisers was Restylane, um, which is like a Botox kind of uh, thing. And, you know, it is what it is. It was absolute commerce. We did it for the money. We did it because we were trying to still keep making a living in the entertainment business. And, you know, it, it was what it was. And so uh, we're not embarrassed by it. It, oh. it didn't work. And so... Are you still I, you in know, that business? I mean, are you still doing that with some of your time? Yeah, or? I am. I'm still involved in the production side of the business. We have a movie that we're uh, that we're working on that seems pretty close to uh, to a go. That um, has you know a very famous director, a very well known writer, you know, great actors, and so we'll see. But um, on the television side, yeah, I have uh, I have something that uh, that I'm very proud of, very excited about. That has a little bit to do with poker, um, but. Um, I can't say too much about it until uh, until we actually have it set up. But um, we have the TV studio, we have the producers, we have the hosts, we have everything. We just don't have the network yet. Um, but we also haven't introduced it to a network yet. So, well, it sounds uh, to me, Jamie, like you are still in the entertainment business. You're clearly a philanthropist. I mean, a lot of your time and energy and spirit has gone into all of these charity events and setting up a foundation and all of that, and you're still a poker player. If you were to pick among the three as the chief label of Jamie Gold 2009, which of the three would you say, and maybe I've missed one, which of the no, three would you I, say I, def- I, defines you? I couldn't you? possibly, because I am, I'm really heavily involved in all three of them. I mean, I, I 
you know, it depends on what day. There are certain days that all I'm doing is working in the television business, and there are certain days that all I'm doing is playing poker. And most of my days, all I'm doing is working on charity events and um, new and innovative ways for people to be able to give their time. I know a lot of people don't have money this, these days, so I don't try to ask anyone to donate a lot of money. What I do ask is for people to donate their time mm-hmm. and help us raise money. Um, and so, uh, you know, I've been pretty successful in doing that. I'm, I'm very proud about the work that I've done in that area. And it's, it's, a, it's a personal satisfaction. It's, you know, when you watch somebody like your father go through six and a half years of a disease that completely takes away, you know, every aspect of his life except his life. You know, it would almost have been better. There were moments where he felt like it would have been better if they'd just taken his life away. And, they, and it didn't. What it did was just take away all his facilities, but he was still 100% lucid in a body that he was trapped in. And so you watch somebody go through that, and it kind of, you know, puts you in a pretty profound sense of what's important in the world. And I don't want anybody in the world to have to suffer the way that he suffered. And people are, not just through diseases. I mean, there are people who are through poverty and through no fault of their own. They're born to, you know, uh, AIDS and drug-addicted parents. And they, they, you know, they're orphans and they have no, you know, help in life. And they, they're, you know, kids who are born, you know, who have cancer in their second year in life. And it, there's so many people who need your help. And so I feel like... I have to do something to help people much more than... I don't fault anybody who just plays poker 24 hours a day, but for me, it's a little too much about myself. Yes, I hear what you're saying, and this is something that has affected me as well, Jamie, and I I dwell on it a bit. It's called Tikkun Olam, from my Jewish tradition, which is healing the world. It's an important part of what conscious human beings need to do, which is spend... Spell that for me. I've never heard that before. Tikkun Olam, T-I-K-K-U-N-O-L-A-M. My rabbi will be very proud of me for getting Tikkun Olam into a poker show. How about that? T-I-K-K-U-N, Tikkun Olam, O-L-A-M. Wow. And that means giving back Heal, to the it, world. Well, yes, healing the world, helping to heal the world. It's one of the things that we as Jews, and I use myself as an example, are charged with doing. You can't just live your life for yourself. Uh, you got to also do something for the rest of the world. Or what yeah, What are you? My mom has instilled that in me, and... and uh... You know, I uh, I was bar mitzvah. I mean, you know, I was bar mitzvah. I don't I don't practice uh, as a Jew. I believe that uh, unfortunately, religion uh, divides people and and causes more problems than than it than it, in general it has been able to help. Um, it's just my opinion, but I do believe in my culture and my background and where I came from, and that is half of me. And um, I love that saying. Um, Tikkun Olam. Well, you can you can look it up. You can do a Google search, and you'll get more stuff uh, from Rabbi Hillel and Maimonides and all that. Tikkun Olam. Um, I got another question for you. I, I think most people probably can speculate fairly accurately about the good parts of winning the chief prize in the poker world, winning the main event. What I'm wondering is, and it's been a few years since you won, and maybe you have some perspective on this, if you were to talk about some of the negatives of being the world's champ, so to speak, I think our listeners would be interested in that. Is there any downside? Is there anything negative about being the guy that won the main event? Wow. I mean, you know... You, you you always have to preface it the, the way that you did in that it's it's an extraordinary you know honor and 
you know, incredible windfall from financial to, you know, the, uh, the avenues that it opens up and the, the, the amount of excitement it brings to a large group of people. I mean, of course there are people who don't like me for whatever reason, but there's such a large group of people in the world that are truly excited to shake my hand or <laughs> take a picture with me. Or that must be great. To sit at a poker table. There are people who pay $10,000 just because they knew that they were going to get to meet me, to come to an event. That, that means, you know, that means a lot. And it, and it's, it's an, a pretty incredible thing. And, um, so to, to, you know, to couch it with that, then yes, of course there are some things that are not the best that you just take along with the amazing part of what, what it was. And I would say that, um, you know, the same positive things that are great when you're, you know, recognized and loved by people is also a really negative thing because there are strangers that know nothing about me um, that will actually, you know, have the nerve to come up to me and say, um, wow, I hate you, and, you know, I wish that you would, you know, you should die because you didn't deserve that money because I was in that same tournament, and I know I played better than you did, and it sh- I should have been the one who won, and, you know, some kind of psychotic thing. <laughs> My God. You know, like, hey, I'm sorry, I wish it was you. I don't know what, <laughs> what do they want you to say? All right, I'll give it back. You know, I, you know, and then of course the misunderstandings that people had that they thought that someone brought me in, which wasn't true, that I screwed them, which wasn't true, which, you know, they all cut, people love to go to the negative. Yes. Um, what they don't realize is how generous I was trying to be to everyone around me, uh, and that I never screwed anybody, and that, you know, it was a very odd thing, and that people just took whatever the first things that they heard, and the rumors that they heard, and they've never met me. You know, if, you, if you've met me and you've had experience with me and you don't like me, okay, I understand. But if you've never met me and you have negative opinions of me, it's a very odd thing. And it doesn't really bother me, but it bothers me because it bothers my mother and it bothers my friends. And some of my friends get really riled up about it that, you know, I take care of a lot of people in the world and when they hear from strangers that I must be a horrible human being and it gets them really upset. And so for my friends and my family, it does bother me. I laugh it off. I think it's hilarious because, you know, somebody doesn't know you have an opinion about you. If I was worried about strangers' opinions about me, what a horrible life I would have. Got a thick skin, and you're in an, you're in an industry where that's an asset, and I think it's shielded you, although mentioning that it's affected your family is something that really is too bad. Yeah, um, you know where it comes from? I, I used to represent some of the most famous people in the world, and I would coach them on how to not, don't ever believe your positive press, and don't ever believe your negative press, because neither of it is true. Right. You know what I mean? It's because somebody says you're the greatest actor on the planet. That's probably not the truth. Somebody says you're the worst they've ever seen. That's it. The only truth and the only reality is the one that you feel. And if you feel like, if you know that you're making people happy and you know that you're doing good things in the world and you know you're putting out positive energy, you can only do your best. And so if, if I know I'm doing my best for the world and I, I played the best that I could, if people think I'm a horrible poker player, that's not my problem. Right. 
That's right. Well, you know, it's interesting. You're actually probably hearing your own voice as a coach to the people you represented. I do. When you're in that situation yourself. I do. You know, so when you, when you, when you hear it and when people say, oh, you know, I, also the, the funniest thing, I guess, is that I hear about myself being in places all the time. The last radio show I did, they had, uh, they had said, oh, uh, you know, we're out of Kansas City, and, um, and we heard you were here last night. I was born <laughs> in Kansas City. Haven't been back since. I'm 39 years old. So the chances <laughs> are that wasn't me last night. Yes, it was. Because two of our friends said that they met you. That's great. I'm here in California. <laughs> I haven't been there in 39 years. I don't know what to say to you. But i got to tell you, it's not half as funny as what I heard two days ago, which was that I lost a million dollars in uh, a casino that I haven't been in in six months. But they said two nights ago that I actually dropped a million dollars, that I walked in with a million dollars in cash, and and they were convinced. And it's the funniest thing, and I'll tell you how I heard it, because it's very funny. I was in the bathroom, in a stall, you know, doing my business, and in the stall next to me, a guy on the phone didn't know that I was in the bathroom and said... (laughs) Jamie Gold is here, and you know what the funniest thing is? I bet you I'm going to walk, because I saw him in this other casino two nights ago losing a million dollars. Did you say something? Did you say something? I have been in a casino in a while, and I haven't been playing poker, and the most I'd ever lost in a casino in the last time, who knows what, was $10,000. God, these guys create these stories that, does it make them feel better to lie about me? Or I, I just don't get And why am I so important in their life? Well, how does that make them feel better? Well, I've noticed this, you know, I entered the poker world around 2000 or so when there was an online site called RGP where uh, poker players posted all sorts of strategy and issues, and it became essentially a gossip site. And I could see that a lot of people got some vicarious thrill by talking down celebrities. I don't know what that is. I think part of it contributes to the popularity a lot of a lot of uh, TV shows. People like to watch the... Um, well, you know the term for you know watching celebrities in their natural environment fail and do foolish things. People like to watch that, and if they can say something negative about somebody, like they saw a celebrity do something, even if they're lying about it, I think it gives people some sense of power over a world that they'd like to be part of but they aren't. Right. And I think you've been an unfortunate victim and target in that world. And uh, that's too bad, Jamie. We have about a minute left. You've got to know what you're getting yourself into. There was a moment, and people have asked me this a lot, is it true that I thought about dumping um, when we got down to two? And, um, and it is true. Um, you thought I about dumping? Did, you mean I not winning? You mean deliberately losing? Yeah. yeah. Why did you think about that? Um, you, know, you know, as crazy as it sounds, I knew what was going to happen if I won. And I didn't want the attention. And at the time, it was also, you know, now it's died down a little bit, but you have to, you have to remember that at that moment, Chris Moneymaker was obviously the most important thing to ever happen, you know, to poker on television, to create the craze. Yes. But, but it was nowhere near the kind of numbers that we're talking about. When I was, when I was about to win, it was the absolute top of the hype machine. Yes, that's true. So more people were interested, more people watched, more people talked about it, more news stations covered it. I got more interviews. Like, you know, let's say Peter Eastgate had to do 200 interviews. I had to do 20,000. Yep. You know, like it, it wasn't even close. 
to what it what it is now, and it's much more normal now. It wasn't normal when it was happening. But you knew that was going to happen, and you thought maybe I should just avoid it and let somebody else win. I just thought my life would be better. You know what I mean? If like six million dollars is still a lot of money. You know, I didn't have to win the twelve million. Well, let me let me ask you a hypothetical, Jamie, and this is a very real question that I think a lot of our listeners would like to know the answer to. You can turn back the clock in this hypothetical world. You can go back and you can legitimately finish second. You no. can do it now. Would you do it? No, no I, I chose it then. I'm just saying it was, you know, think about it. I also hadn't slept a lot, 15 hours a day, 10 days straight. They've changed the structure. But back then, it was grueling. It was, it was truly 15 hours a day, sometimes longer. They just wouldn't stop until they got to the tables right. they wanted to get. And they, and they just, it, of course, they've changed it all now, and it's a normal structure. It wasn't like that. So in the last couple of days, every time, we'd play 15 hours, then I would give interviews for five hours, and then I had like four hours to sleep, which it wasn't enough for me, and I couldn't sleep. So I was, I was strategizing about the next day, and so, and I'm not complaining. Again, it, it's this is just what I went through. Right. So there was a moment after not having slept, and everyone advising me with everybody who's an expert about everything about you know what you might not want to win because you may not want what comes along with that winning. But like just too much. And my dad was dying, and I wanted to spend the time with him. And they said basically, if you win, you have to go all over the world and be an ambassador to poker. I said, wait, didn't I put my, my ten grand just like everybody else? Can I just? <laughs> It was like being Miss America. Suddenly you've got a commitment. They said, no, you are not allowed to do what you want with your life. You have to be a worldwide ambassador because poker needs you. So I'm feeling all this crazy pressure. And for a minute I did one interview and I did say it. And it did cross my mind that, you know what, not that I was really going to dump, but maybe I just didn't want to win as badly as I'd love to come in second. Mm -hmm. But now there's no question that you did the right thing. Even the day before, right. I, I had the day to think about it, and I said, because there was a day off there right. um, where we just did interviews all day, and then I, and I said, you know what, that's insane. You know, I'm a competitor, I would never dump, really dump, and I do care. You know, it was just how much like effort was I going to put into and how badly did I want to win. Right. And in the end, I said, you know what, screw it, I'm, I want to take this down. And, and that's why I went after every single person. I, well, I misspoke, I said it was before the final two, it was actually before the final table. I see. And as you could tell, I went after everybody, and I, I, I was not, I could just come in second by going to sleep at the final table if I never played a hand. Right. But I didn't want to do that. And, and everyone, even Dora Brunson, Chris Ferguson, they all advised me. I had met a few of them, you know, the day before and, and throughout the tournament. And I said, I'm sorry, but I, I have to just play my style. I'm going after every single player. And they said, you're crazy. You're guaranteed second place, and then you'll probably win it anyway. It's your destiny. Just play it out. I said, I don't care if I bust out ninth. I'm going for it. I'm going. I'm going to do it my way. And it worked out. I, you know, it I got sure lucky. did. You know, I have another hour of questions I could ask, but my producer is telling us that our segment is done. But, Jamie, I want you to come back. This has been a delight. The time has flown by. I'm eager to have you come back. I hope you enjoy being on the show. And uh, we're going to take a commercial break. Thank you, Jamie Gold. My pleasure. Hi, listeners. This is Ashley Adams. I just wanted to uh, mention something, that if any of you have any poker questions that you would like to ask, we are always interested 
in your questions and comments about the show, about the guests, strategy questions. They could be practical questions about where and how to find the game. Send your questions to info at houseofcardsradio.com. And you can also get our tweets on Twitter at www.twitter.com slash HOC radio. We're very interested in them. And, of course, if they are particularly interesting, we'll put them on the air and answer them here in our segment of Mailbag, info at houseofcardsradio.com and www.twitter.com slash hocradio. Info at houseofcardsradio.com and www.twitter.com slash hocradio. Hey listeners, this is Dave from House of Cards, and we'd like to congratulate Beth Gaines from Los Angeles, California, as the winner of our Poker Stars Caribbean Adventure Giveaway. Beth has won, courtesy of Poker Stars and House of Cards, three nights at the Atlantis Resort and Casino in the Bahamas, $1,000 in cash, a $250 gift certificate for the spa at the Atlantis Resort, and free entry into both the ladies' event at the 2010 Poker Stars Caribbean Adventure and the Poker Stars Boot Camp being held at the Atlantis. Congratulations, Beth, from all of us at House of Cards. You're listening to the House of Cards. Poker. 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 I shall give it to you in a word. Poker. Welcome back, listeners. After those two outstanding guests, we only have time for one question in our mailbag. So... Dave, I heard you, you telling me earlier this was the dumbest question we've ever received. That's okay. That's about it, my speed. It's right also now. the shortest question, which I'm sure has the shortest answer. Well, shoot. Is it ever reasonable to fold pocket aces pre flop? Uh, think think no. long and hard. No, it's never reasonable. Okay. No, and he. Follow- that's actually that's a question that could be answered with a lot of interesting <laughs> he, discussion. He follows up with, "I feel like I should fold everything until I start to make money, even the pocket aces." No, if you're in that position, you should watch, or play free games, or ha- or have somebody give you money that you can afford to lose. Uh, if you're in a position that you don't want to play any hands, then don't play any hands and just watch people play or play a simulated. You know, Wilson uh, Wilson Software has a great turbo version of the game, and you could play that for a while. That's better than folding pocket aces. Yep. That was an amazing hour of poker entertainment. Well, I'm glad. A job we'll, well done, we'll, sir. You can also get it uh, online in our ar- archives, and uh, it would be House a great... Of, Houseofcardsradio.com. You'll get all the interviews from this week and last week, both weeks amazing. That's right. Our World Series of Poker Series. Right. Very okay. catchy. Well, that ends uh, this amazing hour, and uh, stay tuned for more House of Cards. Hi, listeners. This is Ashley Adams, professional poker player, author, and host of House of Cards. You can all, wherever you're listening to our show, we're now blanketing the United States. You can send in your questions or comments about the show to info at houseofcardsradio.com. And you can also get our tweets on Twitter at www.twitter.com slash hocradio. Info at houseofcardsradio.com and www.twitter.com slash hocradio. Hoc Radio.
Hey listeners, this is Dave from House of Cards, and we'd like to congratulate Beth Gaines from Los Angeles, California, as the winner of our Poker Stars Caribbean Adventure Giveaway. Beth has won, courtesy of Poker Stars and House of Cards, three nights at the Atlantis Resort and Casino in the Bahamas, $1,000 in cash, a $250 gift certificate for the spa at the Atlantis Resort, and free entry into both the ladies' event at the 2010 Poker Stars Caribbean Adventure and the Poker Stars Boot Camp being held at the Atlantis. Congratulations, Beth, from all of us at House of Cards. Poker players, listen up. Your right to play poker continues to come under attack. But with over 1 million members, the Poker Players Alliance is dedicated to protecting your right to play this great American pastime. Even if you've never played a hand of online poker, the Poker Players Alliance is fighting for you. No matter where you choose to play, the PPA is working hard to defend you, your rights, and the game of poker. The PPA is making great strides, but we still need your help. We have sent a clear message to lawmakers and others committed to prohibiting your right to play poker. We are organized and we vote. Add your voice to our cause and join the Poker Players Alliance today. Visit www.joinppa.org and become part of the fight to save poker. It only takes a few minutes to make a difference. The Poker Players Alliance, fighting to protect your freedom to play the game we love. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.